Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The Trudeau government unveils its long-awaited Indo-Pacific strategy, and Xi Jinping is not going to be happy with it. The 26-page document outlines the government's plan to boost military and cybersecurity spending and to protect Canadian critical minerals from Chinese state-owned enterprises. Speaking of China, it's a rare sight in the communist country as large-scale protests broke out over the government's strict COVID measures. A British Columbia-based credit union has launched Canada's first-ever carbon tracking visa card. Hello, Canada. It's Monday, November 28th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Jasmine Moulton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. On Sunday, four Liberal cabinet ministers unveiled the government's long-awaited Indo-Pacific strategy in Vancouver. The plan includes $2.3 billion of funding to boost military and cybersecurity efforts in the region, and outlines a plan to deal with a belligerent Chinese regime while also promoting the government's priorities of climate change and feminism. The government plans to diversify trade and economic ties with Asian allies, including India and Taiwan. However, the focus of the plan is clearly on China, as the communist regime is mentioned more than 50 times throughout the document. Now, the government calls China a, quote, increasingly disruptive global power, but also states that cooperation with the People's Republic of China, the second biggest economy in the world, is indeed necessary. Here's what Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie said in Vancouver. Every issue that matters to Canadians, our national security, our economic prosperity, democratic values, climate change, or again, human rights, will be shaped by the relationship Canada has with Indo-Pacific countries. These relationships have been built upon a strong foundation. Throughout the Indo-Pacific, Canada is appreciated as a valued trading partner, as a secure investment destination, and also as a stable democracy. But the current moment demands more of Canada. The region is now looking for us to step up our game. They want Canada at the table to build a better future for citizens on both sides of the Pacific. Jasmine, I find this all very interesting because it wasn't too long ago that Trudeau was still being teased for his clip about admiring China's basic dictatorship to get him to say no to Huawei playing a role in our 5G grid when all our allies were saying, you've got to do this. It was like pulling teeth. But here we have close to a 180 where... They're basically saying we need to decouple from China, and so many announcements they're saying are are making it clear they now very much want to step away from China. Exactly. And it's unclear how this plan will affect Canada's already strained relationship with China, because the Chinese leader not too long ago was mad about Trudeau just talking to the press. And this strategy we see promises a bigger military footprint in the region, so far more substantial an action. 
And also the strategy describes China as a quote, increasingly disruptive global power on the world stage. So I can't imagine that language would sit well with the Chinese Communist Party either. I think a lot of this comes from the Biden administration, probably leaning on the Trudeau government to say, guys, we're stepping up on this file. We need you to as well. A lot of the speeches we've seen recently, uh, Christia Freeland giving a speech talking about the need for friend shoring, basically the idea that we need to ghost away from China and instead have trade ties with countries that are like-minded, that are our allies and, and similarly structured to us in terms of democracies. She said that at Washington at a think tank event there. Francois-Philippe Champagne, innovation minister, he gave a similar speech in Washington. So this is almost more about our relationship with the U.S. than it is about our relationship with China in terms of at least what pushed Trudeau to go down this direction. True, but at the same time, it's difficult for Canadians to count on Trudeau to really be tough with this regime because we saw not too long ago that Trudeau refused to describe China's treatment of its weaker minority as a genocide well, at the same time, he was very quick to call Canada a genocidal nation. So while there are human rights abuses going on in that country, Canadians know this, why is Trudeau so much quicker to condemn Canada over China? Yeah, and will we see a pivot on that front? That's that's to be seen. I did find it interesting that Taiwan is mentioned about 10 times in this document uh, as if it is a country equivalent to China. And of course, China does not like that. And they've been very aggressive asking other countries to not even really recognize Taiwan exists. So I, I think it's a positive development uh, really for the global stage to see that people are definitely, various nations are definitely pivoting towards Taiwan. On, on your note about Trudeau, uh, denouncing Canada for genocide more than China. Uh, Jasmine, it is interesting again in this document to see that he's still really going on about climate change, promoting feminism. He really still has these pet issues in a document even as serious as this. Exactly. We see a lot of money that Canada, frankly, doesn't have that's going to be spent on reckless overseas projects, pet projects, frankly, for this government. So a couple examples include Anthony, there's $100 million in there for feminist international assistance policy development. Uh, there's $750 million, which, you know, nearly a billion dollars for, quote, high quality, sustainable infrastructure, which, of course, is a nod to the government's obsession with climate change. Now, this is all money that's being spent overseas at a time when in Canada, we have spiraling debt, the debt's going out of control. And the University of Saskatchewan just found that one in five Canadians are skipping meals to deal with inflation. So it will be interesting to see how struggling Canadians react to this foreign spending. Crowds of protesters clashed with police and called for the removal of Chinese President Xi Jinping as protests erupted across China over the country's strict COVID restrictions. The large-scale protest started after excessive COVID restrictions caused a delay in rescuing people trapped in an apartment fire, resulting in the death of 10 people. China is the only major country that is still taking a COVID zero approach. Millions of people have been confined to their homes for weeks at a time, and constant testing has become the norm. A large-scale protest is incredibly rare in China, as public expressions of dissent are often stifled by the communist government. It is quite remarkable that protesters have gone as far as calling for the removal of Xi, China's most powerful and authoritative leader in decades. The protests have even inspired those in Toronto to take action, as protesters stood outside the Chinese consulate chanting, quote, Chinese people resist, liberty or die, 
down with the CCP. Anthony, how will the Chinese government react here? I can't imagine that China would be angling for a peaceful solution. Well, they're not going to react well. We've already seen photographs of police approaching protesters saying you have to delete your photo evidence of being at this protest or or people who are just observing the protests. Obviously, many participants are already being arrested. They really want these things to go down the memory hole as soon as possible. Social media apps, for instance, don't allow people uh, to write about the anniversary of Tiananmen Square on that anniversary, they have these algorithms that stop you from from typing out the dates and so on. So they're going to try a very similar thing here, so that people are not aware of what's going on throughout the rest of the country. We probably know more about what's happening on the ground in Shanghai than people in other parts of China do because of this blackout. You know, when we think, are they going to clamp down? You look back to the Freedom Convoy, and, and you really think maybe in some ways that was a trailblazer. People realizing how they can organize protests. A lot of people out there, if they're worried about potentially facing tanks going after them, they go, well, maybe I should get my hands on a truck if they're inspired by what they saw. But they also probably don't know there was a freedom convoy here in Canada. So so they can't actually do any sort of peaceful protest planning along those regards. Certainly a barrier to building momentum. But nonetheless, we've discussed how this does seem to be quite historic. Protests don't often happen in China out of fear of the repercussions. So How does this historic protest affect Canada and the government's approach to China? I just hope we get one tweet from Justin Trudeau out of this, one meager little tweet, because you know he's somebody who, when he really wants to go on about an issue and virtue signal, he certainly does. And then we've seen other examples where there are, uh, for instance, Iranian freedom protesters who go, hey, what about us? Why are you ignoring us? And one wants to think that Canada can, can at least get behind peaceful protest, get behind calls for liberty and freedom. Obviously, the challenges of people chanting down the Xi Jinping, I don't anticipate uh, any any formal government body to be backing those things in, in another country. But yeah, I hope that Canada will at least acknowledge that they stand on the side of, of, of peaceful protest. And we know Xi Jinping does not. And unfortunately, some really unpleasant images could come out of China. But I, I stand with all the other people who are saying they're they're rooting for people's freedom right now. Well, here's to hoping that our government does act, as you say. Now, over to you, Anthony, to talk about how banks will be tracking our carbon footprint. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. The British Columbia-based credit union Van City has launched Canada's first-ever carbon-tracking visa card. It will be available for consumers in 2023 and will allow cardholders to track estimated emissions on every purchase. Van City says in a statement that, quote, members will be able to see how their monthly tally compares to the national average or which credit card purchases have the highest environmental cost. The initiative is the first of its kind for a Visa card in Canada, but the concept has been floated elsewhere. Now, as first reported by True North, an executive with the Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba revealed at the World Economic Forum earlier this year that the company was working on an individual, quote, carbon footprint tracker. Now, critics of these trackers warn that the technology could certainly pose a threat to privacy rights. 
Jasmine, lots of questions going on here. This is obviously a voluntary credit card that Vance City has put forward in terms of there being a, a number of credit cards in the mix. And I suppose this is just one option. Are people actually going to say that they want this though? Are, are people going to say that's the card for me? Well, I'd be interested to see how the market plays out here if there are in fact people who want this product. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all in favor of the free market. So if this bank thinks that there's a market out there and that this marketing strategy will work for them, then more power to them. I'm a bit skeptical though, Anthony, because there was a recent MNP survey from October that found that nearly half of Canadians are on the brink of insolvency, which is defined as being about $200 or less away from insolvency at the end of the month, not being able to pay your bills. So I'd imagine that those Canadians are a lot more worried right now about how they're going to pay for food, how they're going to pay for housing or transportation, as opposed to what their carbon footprint is. I think one of the things that makes some people rightly nervous, that makes me nervous about all of this is, fine, you want to have this credit card voluntarily, I don't care, do what you got to do. But the more normalized this gets, the more you get to an environment where you're encouraged to have it, where there are fewer options, where perhaps it doesn't exist, it becomes mandatory. We know there are concerns about the banking system ending up being interrelated with other government modules. It's very interesting that Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba is all over this, and we know that they are, are heavily integrated with the Chinese Communist Party government, so there are concerns. And those are legitimate concerns, Anthony, because as we saw during the Freedom Convoy, the government asked banks to freeze bank accounts of people donating to a protest that they didn't like. So Canadians should definitely be worried about these privacy concerns and government interference into banking. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.